Hello and welcome to the Rational National Podcast. I'm your host, David Dole. Coming up on today's show, four YouTube segments. The first one, Lee Carter schools MSNBC on how Democrats can win, followed by poll, Bernie surpasses Biden in largest lead against Trump, followed by valedictorian's speech gives us all hope for the future, and uh, ending on Justice Democrats unveil new primary challengers, look to repeat AOC's success. Now, um, just a, a note, the uh, video on, or I should say, the segment on the valedictorian speech, that's actually a clip from my uh, live stream that I did, so it may, uh, the, the way that video comes in, it may sound slightly different than my usual segments because it was in the middle of a live stream, but um, yeah, so I, I, I say this a lot, <laughs> it never tends to happen, but I do want to do more live streams. Every time I do them, I, I really enjoy them. Uh, in the case of those live streams, it's something where I'm not sure if it makes sense to post it to uh, as a podcast because there are gaps where I'm silent because I'm reading, I'm looking for comments in the chat, looking for questions. Uh, it, it doesn't really make for good radio, but uh, yeah, just so you're aware, uh, there is a live stream up that I recorded earlier this week. And um, I'll do more of those in the future. But hey, I don't know if, if I hear feedback and you people want you want me to put those live streams in podcast form as well, then uh, then I'll do that. But I'm just worried people are going to be like, where where did he go? <laughs> because there are definitely moments where it just there's nothing happening. But uh, with that said, uh, let's get to the segments. You think it's possible for a socialist to win in a general election? I don't. I don't. In this, in this time, you don't? Absolutely not. Do you? No. Absolutely, I do. In fact, I think it's necessary to win this general election. Lee Carter is a Virginia state politician and a Democratic socialist representing Virginia's 50th House District. Now, he uh, had a big win in 2017 and was endorsed by the Democratic Socialist of America, and he's up for re-election again this year. And this week... MSNBC had him on to get his view on why democratic socialism might be the way to win elections. Watch. You have won. Congrats on your primary victory, by Thank the you way. So much. Um, you're in a purple state and you have been openly as a democratic socialist running and winning. What what is what have you learned in your sort of experience in a swing, what has been historically a swing state uh, that you think these candidates should know about? Well, you know, Virginia is a swing state, but my district up until me had been held by Republicans for over 40 years. My predecessor was a member of Republican Party leadership who had essentially unlimited corporate backing. He could have spent as much money as he possibly wanted. Uh, and, uh, you know, he had been winning uh, with about 9,500 votes in my, my very small district for his entire career. Uh, and on election day of 2017, I was able to, to go out there and talk to uh, thousands of working class folks who had checked out of Virginia politics uh, for a very long time. And we got 11,366 people to the polls. It's by far the highest turnout for any Democrat uh, in a House 50 race uh, that we've seen in, in living memory. Uh, and this is the key. We have people by the millions in this country 
who have checked out of the political process. If none of the above were a candidate in the 2016 election, none of the above would have won 43 or 44 different states. So uh, the strategy of, of leaning into that attack, of saying, you know, if you're to the left of Barry Goldwater, they're going to call you Joseph Stalin anyway, and going out there and saying, yes, I'm a socialist. Here are the policies that are going to make your life better. We're going to put you in charge of your workplace. We're going to make sure that you have the freedom uh, to live and work and not have to worry about how you're going to put food on the table, not have to worry about how you're going to make the rent or see a doctor or put your kids through college. You make that case forcefully to people who have not traditionally voted, and they will show up because they finally feel like they have a chance to make their lives better. That's how we'll beat Donald Trump. All right. So I have to say, I am surprised, if not shocked, that MSNBC had Lee Carter on the show to discuss this because he made the case right there. I mean, it's an ironclad case. You have all of these people who don't vote. All of these non-voters have felt uh, disenfranchised, have felt just completely disillusioned with the entire process, with both parties. So you have someone like like uh, Lee Carter here laying out the path to victory. The path to victory is actually doing something bold, something different, actually listening to people and their needs and serving those needs. I mean, this should be obvious, but the reason why you've rarely heard voices like this on television is because television has an angle. They like the status quo. These massive corporations and these wealthy individuals that run these massive corporations make lots and lots of money off of the current system. They don't want it to change. So why would they have more Lee Carters on to promote something that's completely different and may challenge their power and their wealth? So he laid it out there from the fact that he attracts non-voters. I mean, the idea that just looking at 2016, Hillary Clinton lost on this typical platform that, you know, Joe Biden's running on, on this standard politician, this this corporate Democrat platform that the media still thinks can win. I mean, really running to the, to the center or I should say running to the right, you th- they still are trying to tell people that that is a, a winning uh, strategy when we've seen it lose over and over again, whether it's with Hillary Clinton or whether it's the previous eight years under Barack Obama and Nancy Pelosi. The Democratic Party always capitulating to the right wing and continuing to lose elections, lost a thousand seats over eight years. So you look at that, you look at the uh, the policy or the, the polling on policy issues, Medicare for all, minimum wage, paid family leave, higher taxes on the wealthy and large corporations, getting private money out of politics. All of these policies poll incredibly popular. And these are all parts of the Democratic Socialist platform. Also, the fact that um, you have somebody here who is in Virginia. <laughs> He's in Virginia. He won a seat from a Republican, a deeply uh, red district. He flipped that district with the Democratic Socialist message. So it's not just about, oh, sure, it may work, you know, in Ocasio-Cortez's district, but it's not going to work anywhere else. Not true. Now, one more clip here, and that's the the rebuttal somewhat from uh, uh, Adrian Elrod, who's an MSNBC uh, contributor. Here's what uh, her response is. When it comes to socialism versus capitalism, it makes a lot of Democrats, especially those moderate Democratic voters, very squeamish and independent voters, too, to even think about the notion of having some sort of socialist, you know, system of government in place. And I think when it comes to Sanders tactics, it makes a lot of sense. Do you think it's possible for a socialist to win in a general election? I don't. I don't. In this in this time, you don't. Absolutely not. Do you? 
Absolutely, I do. In fact, I think it's necessary to win this general election. Um, you know, what we saw in 2016 uh, is that Donald Trump was going out there and correctly identifying that there were things wrong with the lives of, of working class people and then giving an incorrect answer as to why that was. He was demonizing and, and otherizing people and saying, uh, you know, your life is getting worse because of folks that are coming into this country. Uh, so what we need to do is we need to go out there and tell them, yes, you know, there is a problem in our economy, but it's not your friends and neighbors. It's not immigrants. It's not trans folks. Right. The problem is from the top, and we are going to fix that. And the question for folks who are opposed to Bernie Sanders is, do they want to beat Donald Trump or not? If they want to beat Donald Trump, they will support him. There you go. Lee Carter, once again, is exactly right. And the only argument that Adrian Elrod had... So look, it's a larger clip. You can watch the entire thing. I'll link to it below if you want. But... Uh, the other part of of her uh, of her statement, she was talking about um, John Hickenlooper making the uh, the anti democratic socialism speech, but her only actual argument was that it scares people. Oh, the word socialism scares those moderate voters. It scares some independents. But how'd that work out last time? I mean, again, Hillary Clinton, the Democratic Party for eight years under Obama and Nancy Pelosi. They did the opposite, and they kept losing. You think at some point, maybe it's time to try something a little bit different. So these moderate voters that apparently are so uh, so many moderate Democratic voters, I really don't think there's that many. A lot of it, and a lot of the ones that do exist, I think a lot of those people are just uninformed or misinformed. So you have people voting for, say, Hillary Clinton in the primary in 2016 because they thought, oh... Only Hillary could win. No, a Democratic Socialist can't win. Or a lot of them didn't know who Bernie was. And not to mention, I mean, when we discuss the primary process, you have to understand a lot of people that wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders either were not registered to the Democratic Party. So in many states, if you were not registered to the actual Democratic Party, you cannot vote in the primary. So because Bernie appealed a lot to non-voters and independent voters, that also suppressed his vote in the primary. And it doesn't give you... I mean, that kind of primary process doesn't give you a realistic uh, vision of what could possibly or potentially happen in the general, because you should be trying to attract independents and non-voters in the primary. That way you have an actual strong candidate that can win in the general. But since that wasn't the case in the primary process for uh, when Hillary Clinton won, you got a weak candidate who couldn't even beat a clown in Donald Trump. So... This new direction, to me, it just seems obvious. You have to go with democratic socialism. You have to address these issues, discuss these issues that people need help with. I mean, health care, minimum wage, paid family leave, higher taxes on, on the rich, and getting private money out of politics, which affects all issues, not to mention climate change and a whole slew of other issues that people do care about and the Democratic Party can focus on and actually address them and have a real platform in place in order to finally win. Since launching his campaign, Joe Biden has enjoyed the lead on top of most polling showcasing these 2020 Democratic candidates. But that is now beginning to change. So Biden continues to lose support as people learn more about him and his past. You have to understand, a lot of the support that Joe Biden initially had was because of name recognition and his attachment to Barack Obama. But every time Joe Biden opens his mouth... He loses a little more support. And there is now a new poll out of Ipsos and uh, Daily Beast showing that Bernie Sanders 
is actually polling better against Donald Trump than Joe Biden is. So uh, taking a look at it here, you see Joe Biden is still uh, has a nice comfortable lead over Donald Trump with uh, 11 or an 11 point lead over Donald Trump. But Bernie Sanders has a 12 point lead over uh, Donald Trump. And if you break these numbers down even further, so before I even get to the, the breakdown, understand here that most polls undersample young voters because what they tend to do is uh, they they poll existing registered Democrats and registered voters. So someone like Bernie Sanders who appeals to non-voters and many independents who uh, in many cases also are non-voters, that doesn't tend to, uh, that doesn't show through in a lot of these polls. So even with, even knowing that, knowing that these polls tend to favor older voters, Bernie is still leading here in terms of a matchup against Donald Trump. And when you look closer, you see that, so Bernie excites more Democrats, which if you sample more young voters, that number would even be larger. But also, Biden only appeals to 1% more Republican voters than Bernie Sanders does, which completely throws out the window this idea that, oh, Biden's a good candidate because he he uh, appeals to, to voters across the aisle. If it's by one point and Bernie Sanders is bringing out 2% more Democrats, and I think that number, as I said, is actually larger because he brings out more uh, younger voters and non-voters, then that entire argument goes out the window. You do not need or and you should not try to appeal to conservative voters because as we've seen with the Democrats that do that over and over again under Nancy Pelosi over eight years they lost a thousand seats um under uh well Hillary Clinton obviously uh, obviously she ran to the center lost her race against Donald Trump appealing to conservative voters doesn't work you have to actually excite the base and Bernie Sanders is showing that here now if you compare uh the other candidates, I mean, it gets kind of crazy. So Pete Buttigieg actually loses right now to Donald Trump by uh, two points. Amy Klobuchar loses to Donald Trump by two points. Uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, defeats Trump, but uh, not by much. And uh, Kamala Harris uh, defeats Trump by only 1% less than uh, Elizabeth Warren does. So there is a clear, there are two clear leaders here in this race. Right now, it's it's Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, and I think that gap is going to, uh, or at least the um, the support that Biden has is going to continue to drop after the debates. When we see Biden and Bernie on the same stage, it's going to really show you how different these two candidates are. I mean, most of you watching me know this already, but a lot of people that don't follow politics very closely, they see. Many of them see Biden and Bernie as very similar candidates because they think that Biden is a working class guy, just like uh, Bernie Sanders is, even though his history does not show that. Biden's votes does not show that. Biden working with the credit card companies, with Wall Street, voting for the Iraq war, uh, being the, the, the architect of the crime bill. I mean, Joe Biden is not your average dude. <laughs> Joe Biden is your typical politician who has the veneer of a working class guy, but that's going to be completely exposed on the debate stage against uh, Bernie Sanders. So we're going to, or I'm going to continue watching these polls, see how it all uh, progresses, but understand right now, if you're worried about Joe Biden's lead, I wouldn't worry about that too much longer.
a time in which our lawmakers would rather pocket special interest campaign contributions than listen to the vast majority of Americans who demand a change. So a few days ago, I was sent this video from uh, a valedictorian, uh, John Nick, who uh, this actually made news uh, where where he lives. But um, he gave a speech and it impressed me. This is somebody that I mean, it, it shows you just how how much more aware kids are these days of what is going on in the world. When I was graduating high school, I did not know anything. <laughs> did not know anything about anything about was but uh, what was going on in the world. Now, we did have internet. Yeah, we did. We had internet at the time, but it wasn't like it is now. I mean, with social media and the ability to actually follow what is going on in the world. Not to mention, I mean, politics is different now. Uh, you, if you're young, you should be engaged. Simply on the issue of climate change alone is a reason to be engaged in what's going on because this is the world that you're going to be living in. So uh, John Nick uh, sent me this. Uh, he's the guy in the speech you're going to see. Uh, I think I forget where he's from. I think it's Virginia, but I don't hold me to that. But um, so he's uh, from Warwick High School, the Warwick High School valedictorian. And here is his speech. Uh, I cut it down to about three minutes, but um, you're going to see why this guy is impressive. But most importantly, I think I've gotten a permit despite my age to vote in the 2020 election. And that's so important to me because I recognize the gravity of this moment in our country's history. You know, we live in a dangerous time, a time in which being gunned down in a public school is a rational fear, an unrelenting fear. And I know because I used to think about it all the time. So did many of my friends and so did many of their parents. And that's totally understandable because we live in a time in which the murder of 20 elementary school students is met with inaction. A time in which our lawmakers would rather pocket special interest campaign contributions than listen to the vast majority of Americans who demand a change. We live in an unjust time. A time in which a routine encounter with law enforcement can be lethal if you're not white. A time in which the unholy combination of mass incarceration and socioeconomic inequality has trapped black people in this perpetual cycle of recidivism. A time in which our conception of the word thug is tantamount to a skin color. A time in which an 85% male legislature was audacious enough to defy the Constitution and curtail women's autonomy. This country is 51% female, and yet women lack the representation necessary to take control over their own bodies. We live in a time in which gender identity determines whether or not you can fight and die for your country. A time in which the top 1% controls 40% of the wealth in this country. Fellow graduates, we live in a precarious time. A time in which the UN Council on Climate Change tells us that we have 12 years to cut our carbon emissions by at least 40% or we're all toast. 
If we remain complicit, our brothers and sisters of color, women, the LGBTQ plus community will continue to be treated as second-class citizens. If we remain complicit, our planet will die. It matters what you do because it is you who will be on the sharp end of the stick. It is you who will experience the consequences of this neglect. And that's why I encourage every single one of you, even those of you with whom I vehemently disagree on virtually everything, to act. Act on every single one of your moral obligations and make the world a better place in your own unique way. You all have no excuse. You must become politicians and challenge socioeconomic inequality. You must become lawyers and fight for racial justice. You must become teachers and educate our children, become scientists and save our planet, register to vote, and take back our generation. All right. So how awesome is this guy? This is a high school graduate. He touches on issues of, of gun violence, racism, climate change, money's influence on politics, the need to uh, register to, to vote. I mean, again, I had no idea about any of this stuff and uh, when I was his age. And now um, it's no surprise he's going to study astrophysics. <laughs> I mean, you could tell this is a brilliant kid. So I find these kinds of, uh, these kinds of stories inspiring because this shows us that there is actually some hope. There are people out there that are young right now that are already educated on this stuff. So if they are already starting from this point, Imagine where they'll be, you know, in five years, 10 years, 20 years. So there's some hope for the future as long as we have a future, as long as we continue, uh, can continue to avoid things like a world war or uh, the impact of climate change, which will absolutely have an effect on us. I mean, it's, it's having an effect right now, but it will have even more of an impact if we don't um, act immediately. While the very few at the top continue to build their wealth and their power, the majority of us continue to struggle. When Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the Justice Democrats defeated Joe Crowley in a Democratic primary last year, it sent a real signal to the Democratic Party establishment and the media establishment that yes, a Democrat with less money can defeat an established Democrat with big money backers, as long as that candidate with less money also has real grassroots donors and volunteers. And now the Justice Democrats are looking to do that again, this time so far with two announced Democratic primary challengers, one in uh, New York and one in Texas. So first, I want to introduce you to Jamal Bowman. So he is running in the Democratic primary for New York's 16th district against longtime Democrat Elliot Engel. Here's his campaign ad. I want to talk about a vision for a new America. This new America that I'm thinking about, right? It's not unjust, it's not segregated. It doesn't have mass shootings and kids ODing on drugs and people struggling to survive and people having no sense of themselves as human beings. It's a country rooted in our humanity. We need a new vision for America. A vision where everyone is included. I was born and raised in New York City, raised by a single mother. My wife and I raise our family now in Southern Westchester County. We are both educators. My wife teaches elementary school, and I'm the founding principal of a community school in the Northeast Bronx. Like all educators, we face the most damning challenges every day. We work with children and families who suffer from poverty, asthma from pollution, homelessness, 
lack of health care. My opponent has been in office for over 30 years. Over those 30 years, my opponent voted for an unjust war in Iraq. He has weapons of mass destruction. Deregulating Wall Street, school privatization, and building more prisons. We need to put more cops on the beat, build more prisons, and support the crime bill. While the very few at the top continue to build their wealth and their power, the majority of us continue to struggle. We need to nurture the future of America by investing in our schools. We need to put public schools back in the hands of our teachers and parents, make public college free, Medicare for all people, universal childcare, criminal justice reform, and the Green New Deal. It's time to build a new America, a new America that taps into its unlimited potential, a new America that leverages the brilliance of children and people from diverse backgrounds. That's the America I want to be a part of the America I want for my children and grandchildren. My name is Jamal Bowman. I'm a Democrat, and I'm running to be your congressman in New York's 16th Congressional District. All right. This guy's the real deal. Now, before I get to more on Angle, who, by the way, has been in the House since 1989, um, Bowman tweeted out a link to his... Uh, to where you can help fund his campaign. I'm going to link to both Jamal Bowman and the other candidate I'll get to in a second, both of their um, uh, their pages under the video on YouTube, so you can go and donate to them uh, there. Let me uh, first uh, share his, his goal here. So he tweeted out, help us reach our $100,000 goal here. It's going to take all of us to create our vision for a new America. And shortly following that, He tweeted out, we've already surpassed my opponent's small dollar donations in just a few hours. For my race, I'm refusing all corporate PAC money. We need a Democrat who will fight for jobs and education, not bombs and incarceration. And this is why or how (laughs) Bowman already has surpassed the small dollar donations that uh, Engel has uh, received in the past. So looking at uh, Engel's recent source of funds from his uh, last campaign... He raised only 0.46% of his campaign money from small individual contributors. So that's money under $200. The vast majority of his money comes from large individual contributors, which oftentimes is raised at uh, private fundraisers. 68% came from that, and uh, another 30% came from PAC contributions. So this is what uh, Jamal Bowman's up against, which is why it's so important to support these Justice Democrats, because they aren't taking any of this big donor money or any of um, uh, PAC money, and they aren't holding these private fundraisers with special interests. Now, um, Jamal's already making headlines, so let me share a few of those. This is from BuzzFeed News. The group that helped bring AOC to Congress has a new uh, candidate for 2020. Justice Democrats is announcing it will back Jamal Bowman's primary challenge to longtime Representative Elliot Engel. This from uh, The Hill. Engel draws primary challenger in New York. And uh, this from NBC News. Group that backed AOC's election looks for upset against Dem in neighboring district. Justice Democrats, which helped elect AOC, is waging a primary against 30-year incumbent Elliot Engel. Now, something you may notice about these headlines, AOC is used to grab attention here. Understand these challengers would not be getting the attention that they deserve. They would not be getting these headlines right now, as you're seeing, if it wasn't for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's big win against Joe Crowley. When that happened, 
That shocked the media. Because as I said earlier, it showed them that, yes, you can take down a leading Democrat in the House if you have the right grassroots support. And the Justice Democrats, um, their formula for this, having shown to have worked in the past, can and I think will absolutely work even more this time around because they're going to get more media attention that these candidates did not get last time. So uh, let me get to the next candidate now. So the Just Democrats have also launched a primary challenger in Texas's uh, 28th district. And uh, this is uh, Jessica Cisneros. She is a human rights lawyer and she's looking to unseat Henry Coyer. My mom and dad came to Texas to build a better life for me and my sister. My dad picked fruit and then later on he was able to start his own trucking business. And at that time my father was so proud that he put my mom's and his initials on the logo. But eventually there were trade slowdowns in Laredo and he had to close his business. My father sat us down and he reminded us, Vamos a echarle ganas, tenemos que salir adelante. And that's exactly what we did. We worked hard and we kept at it. And now I'm blessed to be an abogada that fights for families that look just like mine. Our economy and our immigration systems are broken. And while the president fans the flames of hate and bigotry, his cruel anti-immigrant policies are hitting Texans against each other. These policies don't represent the values of South Texans. And the politicians who defend these policies don't represent us. Our congressman claims to be a Democrat, but he's voted with Trump nearly 70% of the time, and he's Trump's favorite Democrat. Henry Cuellar voted to defund sanctuary cities and reproductive services for women's health. He's received an A rating from the NRA, and he's accepted thousands of dollars from private prisons and the Koch brothers. Mira, here's the truth. Henry Cuellar fights to protect Trump and the big corporations. I'm fighting to end the separation of families. I'll fight to pass a $15 minimum wage, Medicare for all, and the Green New Deal so that we can create jobs here at home. This campaign is for la gente. It's for la raza. It's for the people of South Texas. I won't take a dime of corporate PAC money, and I will fight tirelessly from Bear to Webb County all the way down to Hidalgo County. Mi nombre es Jessica Cisneros. Yo soy demócrata y me postulo para servir a la gente del sur de Texas en el Distrito 28 en el Congreso de los Estados Unidos. So that's Jessica Cisneros, another fantastic candidate backed by the Justice Democrats. Let me just go a little over uh, Henry Coyer uh, and who this guy is here. So he is uh, seen as the, the second most conservative Democrat in the House. Now, I don't know who the first most conservative Democrat is. I think it's likely Dan Lipinski. If you don't know Dan Lipinski, look him up. He's also uh, seeing a, a challenge this year. Um, but uh, on top of that, much like Elliot Engel, in 2017 to 2018, uh, only 0.35% of Henry Coyer's uh, campaign money came from small individual uh, contributions. And 30% came from large individual contributions. And 66% came from PAC contributions. And the insanity doesn't end there. Coyer also raised money for a Republican. So this uh, reporting from the Washington Post. Left-wing campaign groups, which had their greatest success last year in deep blue districts, have pointed the heavy Democratic advantage in Coyer's seat as evidence that anyone who unseated the congressman would be elected in November. Coyer also rankled Democrats last year by helping raise money for Representative John Carter, Republican of Texas, who narrowly defeated a strong Democratic challenger in the Austin excerpts. 
And if you look at um, the the race here, so this is the race that that Henry Coyer helped uh, fund for. The Republican won by only a few uh, percentage points. So very likely the money that Coyer helped raise for the Republican in that race led that Republican to victory. This guy is not a Democrat, yet the DNC has has instituted rules to, or I, I believe it's the, the DCCC and the DNC likely, have, uh, have instituted rules to not allow outside groups to fundraise for primary challengers. So if you fundraise for a primary challenger, you are then cut off from helping any uh, Democrats that are currently in the House in the future. So these candidates need your support in order to actually uh, win here. Now, um, as I said, uh, Cisneros is a, a Justice Democrat, a human rights lawyer, and uh, I'll link. Uh, I'll put a link below my video so you can donate to her campaign. But uh, some incredible news out of her campaign. Within uh, 48 hours of launching it, her campaign already hit the goal of $100,000. And uh, that's with uh, an average donation of just $23. So keep in mind, while she did hit the goal, it's always important to have more money to, to work with. So continue to donate to her campaign as well as uh, Jamal Bowman's campaign so that you can really help these candidates defeat their uh, their or, or win in their primary. Um, and Cisneros, of course, is also making headlines. So this from uh, New York Mag. You should be paying attention to Jessica Cisneros' campaign. This from Vogue. Is Jessica Cisneros the next Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? And there's many others, because these candidates now are actually being covered by the media thanks to AOC's big win last year. So remember, these are actual, uh, these are real people. These are people that will actually fight for you. They're not backed by any special interest. They're, they only run on grassroots support, grassroots donations, and they answer to the people because of that. So if you have more AOCs in Congress, just imagine what can get done. And eventually, replacing the leadership is, I think, an obvious uh, goal of all of this. The more of these progressives you have in there, the more you're going to have actual real progressive leaders in the House for the Democratic Party.